Howdy. What is happening? Yay, you did it. I'm very proud of you. That was a nice one. I thought about it, made sure that I wasn't going to do that. It takes a lot of energy to not respond to someone in kind. That's how we know that we're connected to another person, reflecting what they've said. It's actually good communication skills, but it's kind of annoying to me. This is episode number 41. Hello, this is legendary voice Alvin Sheehan. It's another Friday before sunset, so please sit back or lay back and enjoy a breath of life for the next 17 minutes with your host, my friend, LaFou and A. I do the election out here in Austin. It's a little test I do. I'll go, howdy. And if I forget, after a while, someone come in and be like, howdy. I'll go, howdy. I like to leave with the howdy. Howdy, how are you doing today? Good. You're here to vote awesome. And they go and do their thing. But not everyone does it. You can always tell the locals. The locals do it all the time. Locals do it not even thinking about it. Boop. It's just part of the vernacular out here. Do you do it to fit in? Because that's not how you talk. It depends. Sometimes I'm not even thinking. I'm just in the moment. And so they say, howdy, howdy. And I really don't even think about it. That's how I realized I was doing it when I was doing it for a while. And then I said, you know what? I think I just said howdy to the past five people. Sometimes I do it knowingly, but sometimes it just comes out naturally. Yeah. But the more I hear it, the more natural it comes out. When you're doing the elections, I mean, you see sometimes 100 people a day come by you, of which 65 will say howdy. And I think I only really do it a lot during the election cycles. I don't talk a lot anymore. That's part of this pandemic. Like, I don't have a lot of friends I associate with outside of offline. Yeah. I don't talk to many people either. I I talk to folks in my office every day. We all work from home, but we do a daily call. But that's the only conversation I really have. And it's usually just a, like an update of like, here's what I'm doing or here's what I need. So it's not even real conversation. I wonder how much longer this is going to go on. I know that you don't believe in looking any further down the road than a couple of days, but what do you foresee this kind of coming to wrap if you had to just make a forecast? Make a forecast. Um, I am concerned about the hard forks that we're seeing off of the coronavirus. I think it's going to take another year to see whether or not sort of the vaccinations that a lot of folks are getting are also going to be able to help contain those mutations. I think because everybody is so tired of being in some form of lockdown that we're going to go a little hog wild a little early and maybe set ourselves back again. You know, the roaring 20s came after last century's pandemic. And I don't know the history well enough to know whether or not they tried to get started on that early and then had a setback, uh, or if they all waited long enough and the Roaring Twenties proceeded without an interruption. But I do think there's a mentality of just wanting to be out and engaged with people. I think it's going to end up setting us back in the long term. World War One came to an end as the pandemic was just hitting. Yeah. In a lot of the big cities, especially in San Francisco, they were like, you know, screw this mask mandate thing. This is silliness. We want to get out and celebrate. And so they started celebrating and it just made it worse. It, it just spread. And so they got shut down for a while. So they did try to shut it down early. And then again, remember the roaring 20s was really a lot of underground. Like all the clubs and bars got shut down. 
that's when prohibition kicked in. Yeah. It all went underground. So people still came out and they still met. They just met in private and enclosed spaces and the underground boomed. Yeah, I wonder if we'll have much of an underground. I mean, there's so much surveillance and so much social media where you just like say where you're at and what you're doing. Can you have an underground in this current age where we just talk about everything and it's so much easier to track a person? You look at some of the data that was collected early on in the pandemic about this time last year when everybody went to Florida for spring break. And then they tracked those phones back to where they went because they wanted to see when they returned home, was there a spike in coronavirus infections? And indeed there was. It's easy to do that now. If you were law enforcement and you wanted to know where people were congregating illegally, I think you'd be able to do it in a day. Well, surveillance capitalism is a tool of the military and a tool of the government. But again, people can socialize in chat rooms these days. You really couldn't do that before in the early 19th century. But you can do that now where you can meet online and have these big group parties. I mean, imagine if we can get to the point where you can put on like the 3D goggles and you can be in a virtual room with a bunch of other people. I would be fascinated to see that technology come online even faster as a result of something like this. Yeah, I'm surprised it hasn't actually. Give us some time. It might come online even faster now as a result of it. So that's one way. Uh, people might decide to go to events but leave their phone at home, you know, and go without any kind of communication, no electronics allowed into a facility. That would be a real underground meeting. Right. We're all aware now through Snowden's revelation and other things, through the Netflix documentary, uh, Social Dilemma. We know that they're spying on us. They, meaning our government and every government, TikTok, people are using it so widely, but it's run by the Chinese military. (laughs) That's who created TikTok. And so they use that and they collect vast amounts of information on everybody, especially on Americans. And we give it to them willingly. As far as that goes, yeah, they're definitely tracking us. Everyone's tracking us for different reasons, not just so that you can play Pokemon Go, you know, (laughs) so that they can get you to go to Starbucks or to go to some shopping mall, but for, you know, nefarious reasons that we haven't even considered yet. I'm unsure what's going to come out of it, but it'll definitely be a new revolution in how we meet, how we keep ourselves entertained. It's exciting because just like the Roaring Twenties brought in a lot of innovation, it changed music. It changed how we socialized. And so there's no reason to believe that it won't be the same revolution that's taking place again between 1922 and 27. All I'm going to say is that I think it will be as transformative as the first World War Twenties were. I absolutely agree. I just don't know when it's going to start because we've still got to somehow get past the pandemic Easter is past now. We'll probably see some kind of spike, you know, just because not everybody is vaccinated yet. We're hoping that the vaccinations are going to really help quell the disease, but we won't know. We're not going to know for months, if not a year. So I think all of that kind of hangs in the balance. I'm particularly excited to see what technology develops. There's so much happening right now. And I think we're just at the start of a huge explosion of new technology, of new ways of looking at things and new ways of doing things. We've been challenged and there's going to be sort of this confrontation of trying to go back to doing it the old way versus 
we've learned enough now that we can try to fix some of the stuff that didn't work out very well during a pandemic that will lead to new innovations. And there's going to be that head-on collision between the two. But I think innovation always wins out. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the 1920s brought an expansion of pharmaceutical companies, expansion of sanitation companies, automation. And through automation, people got jobs. And these assembly lines broke open every place. And so that gave people money, which turned into having disposable income, which turned into complete change of viewpoint of what we focused on. Suddenly people could buy cars. Within that 20-year period, homes were becoming something that a lot more people could afford. And people were moving to the cities. And I don't know, there was so much that happened. I'm really curious to see what's going to happen this time around. Before, people were about horse and buggy. And they were like, horse and buggy will be around forever. Not going to be in those confounded death trap automobiles. And next thing you know, they were everywhere. If history rhymes, then the next thing would be electric cars. That's going to be what really comes online in the next few years. Or maybe some kind of flying car. Maybe we're closer to being Jetsons than we ever realized before. That would be fun. I am the last person who would ever want to be in a flying car because people driving on the roads don't drive well. And now you want to put them in the air. We're just going to crash into each other. It's going to be a mess until we can figure out some kind of system where flying vehicles cannot get within 200 feet of each other, you know, or whatever the buffer should be so they don't fall down out of the sky because somebody was busy texting from the sky and ran into the woman piloting next to them. Like that's got to be worked out before we're going to have flying cars. Elon Musk said, I don't envision flying cars. I do envision an underground system. Oh, yeah. His boring company, right? Like being able to just whisk between here and there. Keep it on the ground. Keep it underground. It's better for everybody. Keep it on the down low. Keep it underground. So, yeah, it would be better for everybody. And with those two, I don't even think that you need to buy a car anymore. No. Those can be every place. All you do is hop into a little pot punching your destination, it takes you there and it drops you off. Almost like Lyft, but without having to talk to anybody. Why should I say almost like Uber? Now I should, I should say Lyft. Lyft, people talk to one another. Uber, there's no communication. You just get it and go. Right. So it'd be like the best version of Uber. Gets you there safely. There's no arguing with your driver. That could happen over the course of the next few years. I don't know how I feel about that, though. For me, I don't like us digging in the ground. I think there's a lot of things that are buried that should remain, like fossilized remains and that stuff that should be preserved. And I think a lot of this will be destroyed. I would rather see that than being in the sky because beyond humans crashing to one another, there was a movie. Oh no, here comes the aliens. Minority Report. Did you ever see that with uh, Tom Cruise? Yes. No, that wasn't the one. I take it back. It wasn't that. It was one where they were flying cars, but I don't think it was Minority Report. I'm thinking The Fifth Element. Mm -hmm. Did you ever see The Fifth Element? One of my favorite movies. They have flying cars there, and they were all automated. First off, look at the sky overhead. I mean, you would just see that overhead every day. It would be a nightmare. It would be just like living underneath the freeway. Yeah, it would be like living under the freeway every day. <laughs> yeah, no. God, no. What about birds? I, that's what I feel sorry for. Birds would have no place to go. No. Poor things would just evolve to not fly like chickens and penguins. 
Yeah. So now I guess we have to go underground. I have to pick one of the two. It's going to be underground. That would be my preference. You made a Bitcoin reference. I have a hard time trying to predict what's going to happen with Bitcoin. Like every day, I can't speculate because I'm usually wrong. Like I saw a meme once, a guy standing there and a girl's pointing a gun behind his head. And another girl's pointing a gun behind her head. <laughs> yeah. The meme said, me and the dip, the dip, the dip. Because I never get the dip right. I think I get the right dip. It dips again and then it dips again. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Shot me in the back of the head. So I can't speculate on what's going to happen tomorrow. In the long term, yeah, we will have better systems. Automation will take over everything. I think we're going to start working on the daily grind. One thing that this has taught us is that we can't be dependent on living paycheck to paycheck. Because if something happens, you don't have a paycheck anymore, you're screwed. I hope this will bring about a better way to sustain, whether it's people learn to invest a lot more or the government, you know, really does kind of need to compensate everybody, especially off your information. You know, they use our information. We should get paid off that. Andrew Yang talked about that. I think that people need to be compensated better rather than having to be forced to work every day. Otherwise, you're screwed. I think in the end, it doesn't matter. 2029, I think it's going to be another crash. That's the only thing I think is coming for sure. I don't think we're going to get away from that one. The last crash involved the stock market. Yep. Now you have the stock market and probably by 2029, an incredibly competitive crypto market. So do you think they're both going to crash? Yes. I think that they're going to happen both at the same time. I think that the market gets into a bubble sometimes. Well, the market's in a bubble right now. Have you looked at the stock market? It's terrifying. So I think both of these will kind of crash at the same time. You know, those that were companies on paper or stock on paper will go away. Uh, and those that are actual real businesses will last. Like when the dot-com bubble burst, at the end of it, there was Amazon. <laughs> Still selling books, doing a great job of it and saying, guys, I, I know we can convert to something other than just selling books. Right. And the 1929 stock market, there's a bunch of companies that survive. ADM is one of them. But then also John Deere survived the crash without any problem. John Deere been around since the 1800s. I don't think it had to do with how long they had been there. ADM was Archer, Daniels, and Midland. And it was a food company. They survived. There's a list of companies that survived it. And some of them are around to this day. For example, I think Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum will always survive every crypto crash. The price will get very reasonable. It'll go down. But in the end, it's going to come back because they're built on solid platforms. I haven't looked into the technology of any of those. I know they're popular. I know they're leading. That tells me that people invest in them for a reason. So it gives me a little more confidence in those than, say, some of the others. But I have no authority into why they should be invested in. I tell everyone, if you're listening out there, we are not giving you financial advice. All I'm saying is just look up Diamond Hands and read some white papers. It's all that I can give as far as a recommendation goes. Happy Roaring Twenties, though. Happy Roaring Twenties. May it roar on. Happy Roaring Twenties. Let's see what happens. Please like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 17 minutes podcast.
If you're enjoying this show, please share it with your friends and family. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsors. They're listed on our website and social media. Check them out. Have a blessed Sabbath. Shabbat Shalom.